Welcome to the Last Week Now podcast. We are your hosts, Lucas, Justin, and John. You might recognize some of us from the Streamline podcast. In this all-new podcast, we're going to be unpacking the latest business, world, and sports news. We will begin with the latest business and economics news from the week. So let's get started. So our first topic for this week is business and economics news. And I want to first talk about how we got here. In early pre-podcast planning, we're deciding whether to go business and finance or just combine the two. And we decide there's a lot of overlap between the two. So after all, we just decided to combine the two. With that said, there wasn't that much business news, I feel like, this week when compared to other weeks. like There's definitely much more jam-packed weeks that we'll see. But something that really stood out to me last week was that Cedar Fair and Six Flags Corporation are going to merge. And this is going to mean equal merger. The combined company will be worth $8 billion. I just feel like this is a big deal in the entertainment amusement park industry, especially since I feel like we're starting to see a trend in the amusement park industry with that's similar to a lot of airlines, a lot of ski resorts, a lot of just a lot of entertainment companies, a lot of market consolidation is what we're seeing. So Justin, do you want to talk a little bit more about this merger? So I guess the biggest takeaway from this is that the combined company group will have a pro forma expertise value of approximately $8 billion operating over 27 amusement parks, 15 water parks, and nine resort properties across 17 states, in addition to some in Canada and some in Mexico. Additionally, then the combined company will be worth over $8 billion. And then prior to the merger, Cedar Fair reported an attendance of 12.4 million guests in quarter three, while Six Flags only reported 9.3 million in attendance during quarter three, which really just highlights how big Cedar Fair has grown over the years in their development in relation to Six Flags. This merger aims to create a more diversified geographical footprint, a balanced presence in year-round operating climates, and a robust operating model with improved guest experiences and park efficiencies. You're really going to see this as I believe that there will be the more streamlined process of switching between park to park, what we see in like Universal and Disney today. Financial benefits will include approximately 200 million of annual synergies with $120 million in cost savings expected within two years. This merger is is anticipated to close in the first half of 2024, subject to shareholder and regulatory approvals. Once the merger goes through, Cedar Fair unit holders will own approximately 51.2% of the combined company, while Six Flags shareholders will own around 48.8%. I want to say, I'm really like pro this deal. I think this is a great, like a great thing. I feel like We see this in a lot, like I mentioned earlier, just in a lot of other industries. And I really think that consolidate, I know people say it's bad, but I really think consolidation is better for the consumer. I'm a big skier. So just the first example that comes to mind is how ski resorts have consolidated into basically the like three big passes, the Epic Pass, Icon Pass, and Indie Pass. And we're starting to see this now with amusement parks, with Cedar Fair and Six Flags combining, imagine just like a one ticket goes to all kind of thing. That seems really cool to me, similar to how ski resorts work. Same thing with airlines and like alliances, how everything works together. I I just think like these kind of mergers, like some argue, yes, they're like bad for the consumer because they like price gouge customers and do all sorts of anti-consumer processes. But I think overall, it's also like very beneficial for the consumer. So would you, I knew you wanted to add something, Justin. For the average individual, the biggest three instances of market consolidation that I can think of is Meta's acquisition, or at the time, Facebook, of Instagram in 2012 for over a billion dollars. Obviously, you had you have Amazon now trying to consolidate the entire market. 
through Whole Foods, through now stuff in their pharmaceutical industries and partnering with other big brands. And then you have Fox and Disney. You have ESPN as well in that group. You have ABC. So I guess those are, and obviously more recently, you have JetBlue's acquisition of Spirit in the airline industry. Just to clarify, the JetBlue's acquisition was blocked to acquire Spirit, but sorry, continue. Yeah, and obviously through JetBlue and Spirit, now JetBlue has to pay Spirit because the acquisition was blocked. I believe it was a set fee of around $500 million as the acquisition was blocked. But in general, I guess market consolidation is beneficial for the consumer in some industries. Obviously in Amazon, I think that have they have they've used market acquisition or consolidation. I think that really has benefited the average consumer as everything you can possibly imagine is now on Amazon and it makes the average person's life much easier. Yeah. And I want to add on to that, Justin, while it does make the average person's life a whole lot easier, I think the biggest kind of scare factor that comes with all of these large companies consolidating is what we saw in the past with in the 1800s and the 1900s with railroad industries combining and consolidating into a monopoly that we want to avoid that though like we don't want to support these large companies buying out these smaller companies and just like ruining their product i think we've seen examples with google and apple both doing things like this in the past where a company will find a small company will find some find a feature that google and apple can't compete with and return, they'll just buy the company and shut it down, take it out of business and steal their ideas. While it is making that company a small amount of profit, it's also in the larger scale of things, it's not really beneficial to the consumer in a much larger scale. It's obviously much more convenient because everything's in one place, but it, it consolidates power a little too much. And we can start to see that with now with the antitrust lawsuits and things like that. People are starting to fight back and not everybody's necessarily the biggest fan of large companies consolidating and potentially forming monopolies. So to move on, on November 1st, the Federal Reserve held interest rates steady for the second consecutive meeting. I know this doesn't really follow fall within our last week, but it's just so important. I feel like we need to talk about it. So this has marked the end of an 11 meeting streak of rising interest rates. It is important to note that Jerome Powell said that the Fed was not done combating inflation. However, the consumer price index has been marked at 3.7% in, in September, which is much, much lower than the pandemic's high of 9.1% in June of 2022. And this has led a lot of analysts to believe that this really could, although Jerome Powell himself did not, and other Fed officials didn't say that this was going to be the end, it's really leading a lot of analysts to go down a path in thinking where they're starting to believe that it is going to be the end of the Fed's rise of interest rates and potentially might mark kind of a shift in the economy without the need for a recession. Just adding on to that, according to the CMA Group's FedWatch tool, traders are only pricing in a 15% chance that the Fed will increase rates again next month. Some economists are even predicting that inflation, already on a downward track, will simmer down on its own without the need of any additional corrections. Thank you so much, Justin. Now let's just pivot over to Lucas, and he's going to take us through the stock market this past week and everything we need to know. Thanks, John. Stock market... This week, it's been up. It's been doing pretty good, especially with all this government scrutiny and just like a lot of, I feel like the government is pretty shaky right now. Interest rates, like they just said, consumer price index, all that stuff is looking good forecasting in the future. Going over stocks, like I said, S&P 500 is up. And if you want to break it down to in industries, though, it's a bigger story. Like looking at a heat map right now, I see that most technology companies are up in the green, up like at least 5% on average just in the past week. 
However, once you start moving over to the more consumer-focused things like health technology, energy, consumer durables, utilities, and finance, stuff starts to be a lot more in the red. Like pretty much the only health company that's green in the past week is Eli Lilly, and they're up only 3% in the last week. Everything else is down a lot. And same thing if you're looking at finance. Most things are in the red except companies like JP Morgan, Citigroup's up a little bit. So the S&P 500 is doing good. The economy is growing, but there's still a lot of consumer focused things that I feel like just aren't growing at the rate they should compared to everything else in the market. Like same thing with retail, like a lot of the big companies are up like Amazon, Costco, Walmart's basically breaking even this week. Everything, a lot of stuff is down though, like overall in the market, except really the big corporations, they're still doing good. Yeah. Thanks, Lucas. And I feel like that you brought up a really interesting point there that's it's important to remember that like in these indexes, it's like the big companies are can be a big force in moving these different indexes. So while a lot of these smaller companies are down, we're seeing the big companies, JP Morgan, Walmart, Target, etc. They're doing they're performing well and they're like bringing up their sectors along with this. But it's when we look at when we start to look at every single company individually, we see a lot more red than we would expect from this kind of economy. So I feel, and you also brought up a great point too, that is like these consumer companies aren't doing as well as we would think. And I think while it's important to remember that inflation has gone down, it's still not at the a rate that we're like ideally operating at. It's still at 3.7% is the consumer price index, as I said earlier. And this is higher than the Fed's goal of 2%. While it is doing a lot better, we're still definitely not there yet. And I feel like we can see that throughout the economy. Thanks, Sean. I definitely agree with the point you brought about the interest rate, how it's not in the best place, but it's definitely working towards getting lower back to normal times. So I feel like that kind of wraps up the business and economics section of the podcast. So moving on to Justin, let's go over some world news happening around the world now. Thanks, Lucas. So obviously the biggest piece of world news that has, that, that has impacted all of us is the Israeli-Palestine conflict. And it has continued. It has been over three weeks now since the invasions. And the biggest piece of news from this week is that both Israel and Palestine forces have agreed to a four-hour military pause each day in order to aid civilians impacted by the crisis. So that will allow for humanitarian organizations to send aid, to aid those individuals that are injured and make sure people are safe during this conflict. And then moving on to the U.S. front, politicians in the U.S. Senate House and the Senate in the House are colliding over the Israeli-Palestinian conflict amid protests, riots, and movements across the nation, specifically on college campuses and how they can mitigate the effects of that, uh, as well as House Republicans unveil a plan to avert a government shutdown, specifically Mike Johnson, the new, the newly elected Speaker of the House from Louisiana, plans to avert the government shutdown through bills he'll pass, bipartisan bills that will appeal both the Democrat, the Democratic and Republican sides. The biggest news from this week in the Senate is that Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia will not seek re-election. He will be retiring. Manchin was known for his bipartisan viewpoints, often voting for GOP policy while being a re registered and elected as a Democrat. Senate Democrats hope to elect another Democratic senator of West Virginia in order to fill his place as the Senate is currently split and the deciding vote will be is currently Vice President Kamala Harris, meaning that if a Republican will be elected in his place, Republicans will then have the majority in the Senate. Finally, Democrats are not hopeful as West Virginia voters may vote for a Republican candidate in the next election. 
as that state specifically is leaning towards being red in the next election. Some more news is Australia has offered refuge to citizens of Tuvalu, which is a small island nation in the Pacific. It's okay if you haven't heard of that before, neither had I. Tuvalu has been impacted significantly, though, as a result of climate change. The nation is likely to be 50% underwater by 2050 and 95% by 2100, which sounds like a date far off. It is not. It will happen likely within many of our lifetimes. So the Pacific nation of Tuvalu is planning to create a version of itself in the metaverse in response to an existential threat of rising sea levels. Tuvalu's Minister of Justice, Communication, and Foreign Affairs, Simone Kofe, made the announcement in their capital of Funafati last year. In other news, North Korea has suspended all of their foreign embassies amid a serious financial crisis, and dozens of Chinese ships have chased Filipino vessels as the U.S. renews warning that it will defend its treaty ally. So that wraps up world news. And so now, Lucas, let's take it over to the tech sector, and let's hear what you have to say about this new AI device. Thanks, John. So. Last week was a huge week for artificial intelligence. We saw two major announcements. We'll talk about both of them right now. But first thing I want to say is we're at a place where I feel like, and I just want to talk about just like the state of the world and of AI that we're in right now. There's so much different artificial intelligence things all, all around us, all having a huge impact on our life. And it's here to stay. Like I remember when ChatGPT came out, I think it was late last year or early this year, I forget. But like everybody was like, oh, this is just a fad. This is nobody's ever, this is not going to go anywhere. But it is here to stay. It has grown so much now, especially how since they've made their API public, it, it, it's grown so much. And I'm really invested in what AI has in store for the future. So with that said, there's this new company. And to be honest, I haven't heard about them or I have, I've been hearing about them for a while now, like maybe a year or two, but I had no idea what they did up until a few weeks ago when they finally made their first like product launch. And this is the Humane AI pin. This company Humane, it was started in 2018 by these two former Apple employees. They definitely have some very strong engineering and like product manufacturing background with that. But basically, this product has been in development for five, at least five years from what it seems. And they're finally going to start doing pre-orders very soon, and they're going to aim to ship it early 2024. But basically, what the Humane AI pin is, is it's this device that takes photos, sends text, and projects a visual interface onto a person's palm using a laser. So if you look this up, it's basically... Just to visualize it, it's basically this device that clips on to your shirt and it basically you just it just clips onto your shirt and then that's how you basically interact with it. And it comes with a virtual assistant built in. It's using the same language model and technology that ChatGPT was built off of. So it's a very strong AI device. And basically the whole idea of the company is to reduce your reliance on your cell phone. So I'm going to turn it over to John. Uh, yeah, Lucas, I just wanted to add they're actually partnered with the following major services, Microsoft, OpenAI, Google, Slack, Tidal, and T-Mobile. So they have really strong like base set up around this program. They, actually, they have their own operating system that they built from the ground up. And so that's, a, it's pr- really interesting because they've taken this whole new angle onto like digital computing and they're in the future almost. Like they're in, they're thinking about what it's going to look like 
in 10 years from now. And they're trying to build something that will replicate that. And so it's a great little like device that it's extremely powerful. And yeah, I just urge you to go look it up. Just see what it looks like. See all of its features. They're really cool. Yeah, I totally agree, John. It's it's a very unique device. Like I feel like you see all these AI companies, not even AI companies, but just a lot of tech companies like focus on the future of computing. And a lot of them are all about augmented reality glasses. And to be honest, I still really want to see an affordable pair of augmented reality glasses for consumers. I think that'd be super cool. But this is, I feel like, another approach to the future of technology and reducing your reliance on your cell phone. I think this is a really cool device. It's just to add on what I said earlier about its design. It's very lightweight. It's just 55 grams. It goes right under your shirt. So it's not invasive. It's not, yes, it's it's obvious it's there. If you're talking to somebody, you're not going to be like not notice it. So it is a little invasive in that sense. But it's also just like you don't even need to interact with it unless you want to. So it's almost like it's just there when you want it to be. So yeah, it's a really cool device. You interact with it through taps, hand gestures, and voice commands. So if you're big on privacy, like it seems like they definitely got you covered in that sense. But this seems like a really cool device. And I'm, it's hard to explain over audio. So that's why I urge you to just at least look up a picture to see what it does, the Humane AI pen. But yeah, it's really cool. Anything else to add, Justin? Yeah. Adding on to that, the AI pin will be available to purchase starting November 16th and will cost $699 plus a $24 a month for cell data plan through T-Mobile. And just before we move on, I want to mention this does seem like a pretty high price tag. It is a first generation product, so I understand there's been a lot of R&D involved. I'm also imagining they're going to get a lot of pre-orders. I think I saw a number of hundreds of thousands somewhere. I'm not I don't remember exactly where I saw that, but there's a lot of demand for this clearly. And I do think people will pay the $699 plus $24 month for cell data. And at first I was like confused why there's a monthly cell plan. But then once I read into it more, I guess this device is literally supposed to be a replacement for your cell phone. Obviously you're still going to need a cell phone for a lot of things, but this is supposed to be like, you're just like your digital assistant giving you the weather, date could play music all of that just right from your person right from your palm so that's why they need the cell data plan through t-mobile so now let's move on another really cool piece of technology apple just launched some new macbook pros and i believe it was on halloween or the night before halloween they had a, an ev- event at night to showcase all of their new m3 chips which if you haven't known apple for the past three years have been just started making their own computer chips for the Mac, the M series chips, which is basically focusing on power efficiency, power, and just a whole integration between Mac OS and their chips. And as a result, these new M3 chips are very powerful and they're putting these in these new MacBook Pros. So Justin, you want to start us off? Yeah. The M3 and M3 Max variants come with a new space black color. And that's the only physical difference between these new laptops compared to the previous model that was launched in January 2023. In addition to that, there's a brighter liquid retina XDR displays up to 600 nits SDR. There is improved battery life, which is a big bonus for most consumers. And there's about 24 hours in both the 14 and 16 inch variants. 
The M3 chip family has marginal performance gains over the M2 family, but there's more noticeable leaps over the M1 family. So for the average consumer, the M2 family is almost like a, a medium in terms of the cost and the performance in between those new Macs. And the GPU performance is much better than the previous M2 and M1 family chips. There's support for hardware accelerated by ray tracing, dynamic caching, and mesh shading. And finally, there's no performance drop-offs when using on battery. Yeah, these are all very, it's all very great, especially the GPU performance, I think is the main, the main huge gain for the M3 series chips. And this is just simply because it, yeah, there's ray tracing, dynamic caching, and mesh shading. Those are all very, like typically you'd only see those kind of features on a discrete GPU that like made by NVIDIA or AMD. But seeing that on a laptop now running at the same power with or without battery, like that's, I just think that's very fascinating. Very cool to see. Before we move on, they're available for sale now, the 14 and 16 inch models. 14 inch starts at $15.99 with the M3 chip. 16 inch starts at $24.99 with the M3 Pro chip. And yeah, you can start getting them now. Reviewers have them. Tons of reviews are out. Moving on, John, you want to talk about our last tech topic for this week? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Lucas. OpenAI has recently released custom GPTs. So now anybody can create their own custom versions of ChatGPT, and these will be tailored for specific tasks that you can train it on. So you could tailor it, for example, to learn board games, teach math, design stickers, etc. And no coding is required to do these, which is going to make it a lot more accessible for people who want to get into training AIs, want to get into all that sort of stuff, or if you just want to try and figure out a different approach to doing something that you already do. So OpenAI will soon launch the GPT store to make GPTs publicly shareable, and they will eventually compensate creators for their GPTs amount of usage. So this is going to be like very similar to things that we've seen in the past, and except the difference is that it's going to be through AI. It's not going to be like content creation or certain things like that, you're going to be compensated if you can make an AI that people want to use. So this is going to be a great kind of incentive for you to go out there and create your own AI. And you can, if it's good enough and enough people want to use it, you will get compensated. Some examples of the, of GPTs in the real world and already out there are Quizlet's QChat, Canva's AI, and Zapier AI Actions. And these are all, they all work great. I've used Quizlet's QChat myself and Canva AI, and they're both great they're both really high quality and they both they really get what you're trying to say it's they're very intelligent and they've advanced a lot in the past couple of years OpenAI really wants to make gpts more useful and smarter moving forward and we've seen this in the past and as they've stated they want to really move towards real world tasks chat gpt plus users and enterprise users both have access to this new feature now and chat gpt plus costs twenty dollars per month it's a subscription-based model and so you can just go up, go into ChatGPT's website, sign up right now and just get access to all this really cool stuff. There are so many use cases I see for this. Like you could essentially give your custom GPT like a huge, let's just say a huge textbook or something or like a huge book. And it could, you could just make a ChatGPT that does like answers all your questions based on that. Or you could just give it a ton of information and it'll do that all for you. I think there's just so much potential with this. And it loops right back into what I was saying earlier with the AI pin. It's just, it's here to stay. It's going to keep getting better and you, you got to start embracing it and take advantage of it because so many people are these days. So that wraps up the tech for this week. Last week, 
Let's move on to the sports news. So, John, you want to start us off? Thanks, Lucas. So let's start off with uh, some football news. So the season is around about halfway through. It's week 10 right now. And the Eagles, the Chiefs, and the Ravens are all the, th- are the three main Super Bowl contenders. The 49ers have lost three games in a row, which is a marking of a slowing down in their offense that seemed really great at the beginning of the year. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts are the three MVP frontrunners. And now let's talk about basketball. First off, the both the Denver Nuggets and the Philadelphia 76ers only have one loss, and the Sixers just suffered a big loss as Tyrese Maxey will be out for an extended period. Both the Celtics and Dallas Mavericks are looking good with two losses, and both Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic averaging well over 30 points a game. Joel Embiid is also an MVP frontrunner as he is almost averaging a double with around nine rebounds. And the NBA midseason tournament started with viewership increasing throughout the tournament, and the NBA did this to then increase viewership earlier on in the season and then model the mo- model what is going on in Europe with the Champions League, Europa League, and et cetera, with in-season tournaments, adding an extra level of competition. So now let's move on to baseball. Lucas, did you want to talk about MLB free agency? Absolutely. So far, there hasn't been anything major in the free agency so far. We're still just about a little over a weekend. So far, we're still wondering where Otani, Yamamoto, Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger, Gray, Nola, Martinez. We're not really sure where they're going to go yet. It looks like the Yankees or Mets are going to pick up Yamamoto. Otani, I'm not 100% sure. I'm pretty sure the Giants or somewhere on the West Coast are the front runners. Overall, though, nothing major has happened. We'll make sure to keep you posted on that between now and spring training. But other things ha- happening is a lot of new prospects coming up from the pipeline in 2023. Jackson Holiday is expected to come up during spring training. He was the first pick in the 2022 draft of the Orioles. So shortstop, a lot of great things looking out for him. And then two kind of somewhat major player transactions have happened outside of free agency. That's that. Mark Cano was traded from the Brewers to the Tigers, and the Braves exercised their $20 million option to keep their relief pitcher, Charlie Morton. So moving on to hockey and soccer, Justin, you want to talk about that? So now moving on to hockey, the Golden Knights are emerging as favorites for the Stanley Cup this year, aiming to get back-to-back championships. Then the Vancouver Canucks are exceeding expectations this year, considering how much they've spent and their roster quality. Austin Matthews is on fire this season, leading the NHL with 13 goals for Toronto after a record-breaking three consecutive hat-tricks in his first three games in the NHL. And then Elias Patterson leads with 24 points in the NHL. The 24-year-old Swedish center is having a breakout season with the Vancouver Canucks. And the Bruins are looking pretty solid this year after most people thought they were going to be around a mid-table team. Uh, But it looks like they'll be competing for the Metropolitan Division and the Stanley Cup this year. Then moving on to soccer, Manchester City once again are leading the Premier League with 27 points and 11 games played. That is no surprise considering they have a market value of $1.1 billion. Tottenham Hotspur, who are emerging as uh, almost a favorite for this Premier League season, suffered two losses in a row under Pasta Coglu, the new Australian manager, uh, conceding two goals in stoppage time against Wolverhampton. And it's a, been a struggle for them as they are uh, dealing with a lot of injuries. Drona lead La Liga with 34 points in 13 matches, almost like a Cinderella-type story, considering how much money they spent and their market value. Real Madrid and Barcelona are neck in La Liga, with both clubs heavily relying on their youth this season. As we saw, Lamine Yamal get called up for Spain at 16, and then Pedro and Gavi being 18 and 19, respectively. Then Bayern Munich lead the Bundesliga, with Harry Kane having a historic Bundesliga debut season. 
with 15 goals in 10 matches. Bayern Leverkusen are having an amazing season under Xabi Alonso. And Union Berlin are in the relegation zone after finishing fourth in 2022. The Serie A title's wide open with all the Serie A giants being the favorites. PSG's favorites for legal in this season. And then Megan Rapinoe's career ended in the NWSL final after injury, where Rain lost 1-2 to New York Gotham after Rapinoe came off in the third minute due to injury. And then finally, on Sunday, November 19th, there's the Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix, which will be taking place. That is big for that sport as they attempt to then grow their market in the United States. Tickets have reduced in price recently. And yeah, I guess Las Vegas residents are happy that the construction's over and they'll be able to enjoy the race this week. Thank you for joining us on Last Week Now. To recap this week, we talked about the Cedar Fair and Six Flags Entertainment Corporation merger, the Federal Reserve's interest rates holding out for the second consecutive meeting, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in the United and how it affects the United States. We talked about a lot more worldwide news, such as a lot of things happening in the U.S. government. We got some things happening in North Korea, Chinese and Philippine trade relations with the U.S., and Australia offering refuge to the citizens of Tuvalu. We also talked about the Humane AI pen and how it's going to revolutionize the cell phone industry. We talked about Apple's brand new MacBook Pros and what is best for the consumer in terms of price and what are the different qualities between the new MacBooks. Last tech thing we talked about was OpenAI launching GPTs, which is allowing consumers to make their own personalized artificial intelligence chat robots. Lastly, we discussed the most pressing issues in sports, including the front runners in the NBA, NHL, MLB, and NFL in Europe's top five soccer leagues, as well as the individual performances of who is shining in those leagues this season and who is emerging as MVP. Thank you for joining us. We hope to see you back next week for another episode. Thank you for joining us on Last Week Now, your go-to podcast for the latest insights into tech, business, world affairs, and sports. Before we conclude this episode, we'd like to remind our listeners of a few important points. The viewpoints expressed by our hosts and guests are diverse and meant to foster meaningful conversations. Last Week Now values the exchange of ideas and opinions, aiming to present a range of perspectives on the issues discussed. It's essential to recognize that these viewpoints are personal do not necessarily reflect the stance of the podcast or its affiliated entities. Additionally, we want to emphasize that the information shared here is based on publicly available sources up to the date of recording, November 12, 2023. The dynamic nature of news means that developments may occur after our recording, potentially affecting the accuracy of certain details. We encourage our audience to stay informed by independently verifying crucial information, especially in rapidly evolving situations. As consumers of news, your engagement is crucial. Your critical thinking and fact-checking contribute to a more informed public discourse. We appreciate your commitment to staying well-informed and encourage you to reach out with any feedback or corrections. Once again, thank you for being part of the Last Week Now community. We look forward to sharing more with you in our next episode.